0: So I'm Matt, as Don said, and I'm part of the team here, uh, Liberty Church downtown, and uh, today we're going to talk about faith, but we're going to talk about really the power of memory, all right, the power of memory. Now again, like Don said, if you're just checking out Liberty, uh, really the best way to figure out who we are and what we're about, right after service we're going to have a 30-minute class. Uh, that's called Making Liberty Home, and you can just be there, figure out what we're about, decide if you want to be part of us, and we hope you do, or if we're not your right flavor. That's okay, too. All right? But memory. Now, memory is a weird and powerful thing, isn't it? Right? I mean, at the same time, memory allows us to remember that 6 times 4 is 24, and allows us to recall things about our vacation that we took 10 years ago, but we wake up in the morning and we can't figure out where we put our keys. Right? When, when somebody walks by and is wearing the perfume that our mother wore years ago, it triggers us, right? It's like, holy cow, I smell that perfume. But did we turn the oven off? Right? <laughs> we, we, we struggle with these things. It allows us to remember most of the words to Kansas's carry on my wayward son when we're at Whole Foods, right? But probably you had this experience during the meet and greet where you shook somebody's hand who you've met before and you could not remember their name. Hey, bud. Hey, pal. Hey, friend. Right? Am I right? So memory is far from perfect. So, take short-term memory, specifically, right now. In the last 10 years, there was a study done and published in a journal that nobody here has read called Behavioral Processes, but it still is true, you can look it up. Uh, And they looked at species from insects to mammals to try to determine the length of their short-term memory. All right? Do you know what they found? The average animal has a short-term memory of 27 seconds. 27 seconds. Now, as humans, right, we may have slightly longer, but it certainly isn't forever. And our long-term memory is not great either. Well, here's an example, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example from my life, all right? When I, was a kid, when I was a kid, my dad got two weeks of vacation from being a milkman, right? He was a milkman just south of Detroit. He got two weeks vacation in the summer, and The idea of fun here for Midwesterners was to hop in the station wagon, pull the Coleman pop-up trailer, and drive hours and hours away to some other flat spot that was equally fun, right? <laughs> and, and now I was the youngest of four boys, and so these vacations Four boys, my mom, my dad, and my mom's mom and dad, my grandpa and grandpa, grandpa and grandma, would all hop in the Dodge station wagon. You know, my dad would be, one year we drove all the way to Yellowstone National Park. Now, that's in Wyoming, and from Detroit that's 1,600 miles. One way, just one way. 30 hours just to get there, right? 30 hours, and of course, my dad was the only guy who he would allow drive the car, right? And so we had my dad, uh, my grandpa, three people in the back. I guess I was sitting in the front as well because we had bench seats back then. And then my two brothers, my two oldest brothers would sit in that backward-facing seat that station wagons always had, right? The backward-facing seats. Now, driving through the middle of nowhere, right? What is it that a family of four boys does when they stop to get gasoline? They buy fireworks. That's right. Now, back then, these are not the sparkling kind of fireworks. These are the exploding fingers-off kind of fireworks, right, that they don't even sell anymore, right? And, and so, you have the picture. We're driving through the middle of the country, very flat, driving through the middle of the country, windows down because it's super hot, but my dad didn't believe that air conditioning was a good thing because it was an extra at the time, and extras would break, so windows down. Uh, So air conditioning wasn't standard, but you know what was standard? Cigarette lighters, right? The kind that as you're driving, you push it in, and you wait about 30 seconds, and then it pops out, and it's a hot metal tube that's glowing orange, right? In the middle. That was standard. The other thing that was standard was they had one of these cigarette lighters in the backward-facing seat. Like an adult's going to sit back there and decide, I could really light one up right now. No. Right? They put it in there for the kids. Awesome. All right? So, windows down, hot, four boys, hot metal tube on fire, bag of M80s in our laps. It was a simpler time. Man, it was great. Right? <laughs> so, what could go wrong, right? There's nothing wrong with this picture. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this. seatbelts were optional in our family as well, right? Awesome. So, uh, we all live to tell about it. That's the good news. Fingers and toes all intact as well. So, we pull off the road uh, before we get to Yellowstone, probably a couple of hours away which no doubt meant that somebody needed to pee, right? And we were hours away from the next stop, so it was like, there's a bush. So we pull off the road. And as we're there looking at the view, which wasn't much, uh, one of my brothers flicks a lit firecracker over the guardrail down the hill. Now, this is summer, so down the hill onto the grass, the dry grass, the brown grass, right? And before you know it, there's a little smoke, right? So this is just the sort of stupid thing that causes these big fires that take place in the West, right? Cigarettes or 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 uh, uh, fires, bonfires are just not well cared for. It's that kind of thing. Well, this is one of those things, right? So here we are. I'm I'm about seven at the time, as the youngest. The four boys. My mom, my dad, my grandma, and grandpa are all over the guardrail down the hill trying to stamp this fire out. Fortunately, after a couple of minutes, we did. Right? After burning a patch of ground that was, I don't know, maybe a little bit smaller than this stage, but not much. So here's the funny thing, right? As good Midwesterners, we then hop back in the car, over the guardrail, in the car, keep driving, We don't talk about it, right? Just don't talk about it. Went to Yellowstone, drove 30 hours back, went home, still don't talk about it, right? Until about 10 years later. Midwest, what can I say, right? And here's the funny thing. When we talked about that event, every one of the eight of us who were in that car remember it differently. Which kid it was who flicked the firecracker, how big the patch was, we, even where we were on this trip. Even, there was even some discussion about, well, was it the trip to Yellowstone or was it the trip through Canada, right? Even, even that sort of thing. And it's just, it's so very interesting that each of us remembered it differently, and I will tell you that that story, only some of it, is likely true. Because just like everybody else who, were, who was in that car, I remember certain facts and certain things that likely didn't happen, (laughs) all right? That is the nature of memory. It's faulty. Now, don't get me wrong. Memory is critical for advancements in new learning. There's no question about that. And your memories, though, are the foundation for how you think and how you behave. You see, because memory is at the same time a string of facts as well as conclusions and predictions and emotions right. and the funny thing is, is that the facts are the weakest of these, right? The facts are the weakest of these. I'm going to give you another example. I love stories. I'm going to give you another story. <laughs> Living and working in San Francisco had a business trip to DC, I suppose it's the other way for you. Living and working in San Francisco had a business trip in DC. And, uh, Uh, Going to see a vendor. Vendor takes me and a couple of colleagues out for a dinner for the the last night we were there, go to Capitol Grill. Steak, potato, little wine, banana cream pie. All had an early flight the following morning, get up super early, I don't feel well. Hop on the flight, let's just leave it at this. From San Francisco to DC, there was nothing that was left from the Capitol Grill by the time I got to San Francisco. (laughs) Right. So, thankfully, I had very kind seatmates and flight attendants, and it was, it, but it was, it, was, it was great. However, how long has it been since I've had banana cream anything? <laughs> right? This has been at least 20 years, right? In my head, though, even though it could have been one of all kinds of things, including just a virus that was kicking around, I've associated that with banana cream pie. And even though now we live in the Upper West Side, near a Magnolia Bakery, where people talk about how great the banana cream is, I'm not going to try it, right? (laughs) I know it defies logic. I know I I, I tend to think I'm logical in most things, and in this thing, I am so not. I get it, because the emotion around being sick on that flight is so strong that it tells me that something's going to happen if I eat banana cream again. One more thing, who's been on a jury? Lots of jury people, excellent, lots of jury people. So, you know that paper trails are great evidence, pieces of great evidence, video, even better, forensic evidence, DNA, fingerprints, great evidence. But you know what is not great evidence? Eyewitness testimony, right? Right? Hardly matters if a nun and a Nobel prize, prize winner sees something, maybe it's good enough. I don't know, right? It's the weakest of those things. You see, um, memory is a funny thing. And one of the things that we all do with our memory, or most of us do with our memory, is as we recall facts, we put negative spins on things, right? We cast situations in a negative light based on past experiences and we propel them forward, all right? Now, those, the way that we think in those times gets between us and God and frankly between us and anything good, like banana cream, right? And I get that. Now, I don't know if it's an active tool of the enemy or if it's just the nature of mankind, we'll let theologians argue that point, but it is the way that we are and it is what most of us do. And it is also what Jesus' disciples do or did, right? Again and again and again, we'll see the disciples sort of forget that they've seen incredible things and just sort of imagine the worst is on its way. Uh, And and those disciples have a memory that's about as long as ours, which is about 27 seconds. Message today, 27 seconds. The, uh, the boat, the bread, and the disciples. Now, you would think people who were called by Jesus, who walked beside him, who saw him do miracles, who heard his teaching firsthand, you would think that they would be the people who, whenever faced with difficult times, say, man, with, with Jesus, with this guy Jesus, anything is possible, right? You would think that. But time and time again, the Bible shows how difficult this was for the disciples. Now, human nature, we already talked about negative expectations are much more powerful than positive ones. And we're going to see this in the Bible here. Uh, there's a great picture of this in Mark 8, 11 to 21. Now, just to set the stage, Jesus has just that very day fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So 8,000, 10,000, 15,000 right he's just fed them out of five loaves and two fishes out of a lunch fed all that with lots of leftovers and just a few days before he had done a similar thing with four thousand men plus women and children so six thousand eight thousand ten thousand again out of a little with leftovers right so this is this is the scenario after jesus feeds the five thousand the disciples and jesus all hop in a boat scoot over the sea of galilee Right? Go across it, which is eight miles. So it's not a long trip. This is not going across Atlantic voyage. This is an eight-mile trip, hour, two hours, depending on the wind. They get over there, Uh, Jesus gets off the boat. There are some religious leaders, some Pharisees who are saying, We need to see another miracle. And Jesus says, Talk to the hand, hops back in the boat. And, uh, and, and the disciples and Jesus go back onto the Sea of Galilee to cross it yet again. So again, this is still the same day that they fed the 5,000, right? So this is where we're going to pick it up, beginning in verse 14. Because it's here that the disciples on this boat ride, they discovered that they only had a little bread, right? So verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus cautioned them and this is a little confusing Jesus cautioned them saying watch out beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod parenthetically here uh, Jesus is saying watch out for the self-righteous and the self-focused people right parenthetically so the disciples ignored that and they began to discuss with one another the fact that they only had one loaf of bread or no bread and Jesus was aware of this. And so Jesus says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Now, in my head, I hear a 13-year-old boy going, 12, Right? <laughs> And from the time before when I fed 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven, right? And he said to them, do you not yet understand? You see, the disciples were people who had facts. They had a lot of facts. They have, frankly, more facts than we have about this because they saw it firsthand. They knew of these miracles, they were there for most of them, yet when faced with what they deemed to be a shortage of food, instead of being people of faith, instead of saying, with this guy Jesus, anything is possible, their thought was, we don't have enough. What are we going to do? So Jesus says, this is the Matt paraphrase version, come on, guys, right, come on. You just watched me feed twenty or 30,000 people out uh, of hardly anything, yet what you're concerned about is that you don't have enough bread. I just made bread like crazy, right? Have you not been paying attention? Or, or the way that they could say it would be, duh, right? <clears throat> and it's easy to get all judgmental on the disciples. I mean, certainly, yet they were present when most of these miracles happened. They were present when Jesus was doing the, most of the teaching, Uh, and they saw these miracles, uh, yet when push came to shove what they thought was this one loaf is not going to be enough. They felt scarcity in the presence of infinite abundance. Scarcity in the presence of infinite abundance. They had the facts, but even so they could not cast that into a positive expectation. It was just, it was still a negative expectation. And how many times is that the story of people who we know? Who walk around only focused on the negative like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Don't you wanna say, are you not watching all of the things that God has done and keeps doing in your life and the lives of those around you? Challenges met and obstacles made, sorry, obstacles overcome and new jobs and new children and new love and rebuilt relationships again and again and again and again. Yet, factual memory fades, replaced by these negative points of view, and Jesus says, have you not been paying attention, right? I mean, this is certainly true in my life, and I imagine from time to time in all of ours, I get focused on the challenge or the problem, and I see the negative side of it. I lose sight of the reality that time and time and time and time and time and time time again, God makes a way, right? Right? against the odds, often against logic. Bodies healed, finances righted, obstacles overcome, relationships restored. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it for about 27 seconds, right? <laughs> the very next time I'm faced with an obstacle, I know I will probably start with, I, this is terrible, this is terrible, what a disaster, this is gonna be awful, right? Instead of, this may be terrible, but God has provided ways for me in the past, and he will provide a way for me today. Because with this guy, Jesus, anything is possible. So you may think that this is a faith problem, and you may pray to have more faith, and all that's good. And it may be a faith problem. I actually think it's a memory problem, right? We, uh, we face a challenge and we tremble in fear and Jesus says, have you not been paying attention? Even to your own life. So I'm going to give you three points and encouragement about extending our 27 seconds of memory. First point is, the story you tell yourself is powerful. Right? At least for me, all day long I, ha- I have a narrative going on in my head, like a play-by-play person telling me the story of me right? I don't know if that's just me, maybe it's me being crazy. Okay, thank you. Maybe that's just two people being crazy. And in these and in these moments of challenge, I often react like Eeyore, right? I just see the negative side of things and I say I say I'm not going to be able to get through this. I don't know how this is going to work. Instead of God has pulled me through this before. The power of your own testimony, the power of your story. What it is that you say to yourself can change your life, can change the way that you act and react to things, right? This is more than just like, oh, think positive, right? The power of your story and how Jesus has restored you, how Jesus has worked through you and recalling those things, that is the story. The second point is, the other side of this coin, the power of the negative is immense, All right? Every bumpy plane ride is a disaster. Every argument with a spouse or a loved one is the beginning of the end. Every financial sidestep is the next step to financial ruin. Right? Are you with me? Even though facts may not support this situation, we act as if they do, and we live our lives as if they've already happened. I'm just going to give you a little example here. Now most of us, probably almost every one of us, if not every one of us, has had a job. And probably in having a job, every one of us has screwed up, right? We've made some boneheaded decision, said something wrong to the wrong person, lost a client, made some mistake in a document that other people then depended on that then embarrassed them and embarrassed us along the way, right? All of those things. We probably have done it. I certainly have done it. I've worked long enough to have done it again and again. And, uh, weekly. And so, uh, uh, and so, um, I lost my place with that. That's okay. (laughs) But, uh, uh, but we think, uh, I'm going to get fired. Right? I'm going to get fired. Or we think, my boss hates me. And I'm sure my boss has now told all the people I work with, so now nobody respects me. And I'm sure my boss has told all of the people at her level, so now everybody above me thinks I'm a loser, right? And so now I have no mobility in my company. I can't just sort of move around. I'm poisoned, so I got to find a new job. So then I try to find a new job and I leave a new job. Now, This may not be your story, but it happens again and again. We put these ideas in our mind like we think we know what other people are thinking. We take those things as fact, and then we act on them as if they're fact, and they're not fact at all, right? So the power of the negative is immense, right? I don't want to lose track of that. And the third point is the power of your story and the power of that negative expectation is a spiritual battle. And it's a battle that Jesus died to win for us. You see, this is the thin line between memory and faith. The facts at our disposal that demonstrate God's love and power and Jesus' love countered with the expectation of fear and pain and loss, right? And faith is moving that needle of this negative expectation toward positive, right? And maybe there's lots of ways. I only know one way to move that needle from negative to positive. And that is to remember the victories, right? To remember the victories. In some way, we need to recall those stories of what God has done for us and for those around us in similar situations. So we're gonna look at the Psalms really quickly. Again and again, David, King David, awesome, best king in that history. But he, was, he, was, he made a lot of mistakes, right? And he was sad and frustrated and depressed a fair bit of the time if you, read these, if you read these Psalms. You know, we're familiar with Psalm 23, which says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. But take a look at many of the Psalms. They, similarly, they have a pattern where things are awful, things are awful, things are awful. But in almost every one, there is a, but then God can, right? right? So, he doesn't dispute the fact that things may be terrible, but there is a point where then God can. So, we're going to look at Psalm 31, beginning at verse 9. Psalm 31, verse 9. Oh, Lord, help me again. Keep showing me such mercy, for I am in anguish, always in tears. I'm worn out with weeping. I'm exhausted. My life is spent with sorrow, my years with sighing and sadness because of all of these troubles. I have no more strength. My inner being is so weak. So this is bad stuff, and it gets worse. My enemies say, you are nothing. Even my friends and neighbors hold me in contempt. They dread seeing me when I pass by, and they look the other way. Talk about putting thoughts about what other people think of you in your head, right? (laughs) Verses 12 and 13, I am totally forgotten, buried away like a dead man, and discarded like a broken dish, thrown in the trash. I overhear whispered threats since the slander of my enemies and I'm terrified as they plot and scheme to take my life. And it goes on like this for more verses. But then we'll look at verse 21 and 22. The name of the Lord is blessed and lifted high for his marvelous miracle of mercy protected me when I was overwhelmed by my enemies. I spoke hastily when I said the Lord has deserted me for in truth you did hear my prayer. And came to my rescue. David remembered the victories. Now, I'm, he at least we know he at least did it through poems and through songs because we have the book of Psalms, where where those are there. And maybe for us, if we're songwriters or poets, we can do the same thing. Or maybe we hear songs that other people write and take them as ourselves, take take them on ourselves as songs that speak to us. Or maybe we keep a list of answered prayer in our phone, so that when we face a challenge, we just flip through that and say, "This is terrible, but with this guy Jesus, I know anything is possible." Yeah. Right? John 10:10, which we're familiar with a lot, says, "The thief has only one thing in mind; he wants to steal, slaughter, destroy. But I, this is Jesus speaking, have come to give you everything in abundance." more than you expect life in its fullness until you overflow like the disciples we can feel scarcity in the presence of infinite abundance right but scarcity is not what jesus has for us he has come to give us everything in abundance more than we expect and he has done it for us in the past and he can do it again whatever our situation is today we just need to remember it longer than 27 seconds So as the band comes, for some of you in this room, this may be the opening you've been waiting for, to not only acknowledge that Jesus lived, but that he lived, died, came alive again, and even today lives and wants the best for you. There is a great mystery about this, and it's easy to get lost, but the main point is is that God loves you, and he sent his son, Jesus, to give you hope, to change your negative into positive, to give you a powerful story that if and when you tell it, can inspire others to see Jesus, to become a follower of Jesus, to become a child of the Most High. If this is you today, if you are someone who has been on the fringes or you've never known Jesus, it's a good day for a fresh start, even right now. Right here, you can decide to be a follower of Jesus. And in a moment, we'll all pray a prayer that if you are at that point in your life will be the beginning of a change for you that will last through eternity. But before we do that, I'd like for all of us to close our eyes. So no one is looking around, but for you, if this is the day you want to get right with God, to be a person of faith instead of of a person of fear, to live with and for Him, can I ask you, if you will, to raise your hand now so I can see who we're praying for. Thank you. I see that. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray. Everybody in this room. But if this is your day, say these words and cherish the moment. So all across this room, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, Jesus. today today is the day of healing. The day of repentance and the day of salvation salvation. heal my eyes and ears and and heal my soul soul. so I i see and hear and know you i turn away from the negative ways of thinking and i ask you to fill me with stories of breakthrough and stories of victory that i can tell myself and others for years to come. I'm grateful that this is the day, the day of my salvation, the day you marked for me before I was ever born, the day you would call me your child. I will follow Jesus all the days of my life again and amen and amen. All right, let's give a hand to those who made a decision today.